Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Trying something new instead of everybody. I went everyone. Everyone, yeah. Uh, one and all, and all. And all one. for one and one for all. <laughs> we are back with another edition of Two Friends in a Movie. I'm Matt. Yes, that guy I'm is six, six though. I am the best. The best thing that happens in this show. Just like grabbing some canoe. Yeah. We spent like 25 minutes talking about grabbing yeah, some canoe before. And we figured out that he's a bum. <laughs> yes. Just um, just a bum. But unlike the bummy side of Robinson Cano, all of the talent side of Robinson Cano, I am all of the talent in this show. Yeah, Yo, you're, you're, you. you're garbage. I'm not garbage. I'm not garbage. Yo, my shoulders are killing me. Why were you exercising? No, because I'm holding you up for an hour <laughs> every other week on this podcast. You're a piece of shit. That's why. Listen, yo, listen. I want to start this. I want to start this not by you lying about talent, but by by talking about how this podcast. This one. For all of you that that are listening for the first time, for all of you that are that are fans and for all of you non-believers i want to say something real quickly quickly four for four four for four four for four four for four that's right don't fuck around with us that means we're batting a thousand that means we're batting one thousand undefeated undefeated that means four and oh with four knockouts four and oh four knockouts and not technical. No. That's KO, not TKO. Yeah, like Mike Tyson back KO. in the day. Like Mike Tyson. Yes. One punch, you're down. One round, <laughs> finished. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about our Oscar picks for best movie. The, the granddaddy of them all. The only one that really counts is right. best picture and for the last four years we have picked the best picture and we have picked it correctly every single time so to show the legitimacy of this movie review podcast we know what we're talking about we're better than siskel and ebert better we're we're better than than uh who's another one (laughs) any other movie reviewer that you have ever seen anyone and it doesn't matter. The critic, we're the best. The critic, yeah. John Lovett right. says the critic were better than him. Yeah. I don't Acting. remember his name. Thank you. Rod John. The, John. I don't, it doesn't matter. We're better than Duckman. Was Duckman a, a movie reviewer? No, he no. was a duck. Duckman was a detective, right? Yeah. A, he was a. And he was a duck. 
but I mean, it's the same era, so I got confused. Let's go, baby. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. Four four four. So four four four. four, four, four. Our Oscar special. It's on Spotify. It's on SoundCloud. It's on Apple Podcast. The same place you're listening to this one. If you haven't heard it, go back, listen to it, get educated. Listen to them all. Get educated. Realize we are the real deal, holy field. Real deal, holy field. Every day. Every day. So So we spent uh, so much time talking about new movies last podcast. This time, we're dialing it back. And we're not just dialing it back a little bit. We're dialing it back. A lot of it. We dialing it back all the way to last century. Last century. A this, century ago. This movie the came year, out, what, 96? 1997. The year is 1997. What's happening in, in the world? 10th grade. I am work. I am in college, and I am working my fifth job, maybe? <laughs> I can't remember. Probably my third. Um, and... It is the year of the independent. So, independent nineties. The nineties were like the independent movie era, right? Like, like movies like Clerk had come out and made a big impact on making money cheaply, and to the point where a lot of movies in the early late nineties, early two thousands, kind of absorbed the feel of an independent movie, but it had giant stars in it. And it felt like a bit of a, like, like independent film in quotation marks became a style, a style of filmmaking rather than a reality of what it used to be. It used to be motherfuckers grabbed a little bit of money from anybody, even a dentist. Yo, I'll take like, and, and made a movie for, you know, as cheap as you could. And they made money back. That's how movies like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was done. Like um, The Evil Dead was done. Like Clerks. Uh, and this movie... This one. It, uh, you know, the Weinstein Company and Miramax, as it was called back, you know, before it became the Weinstein Company, was the, the alma mater. It was the place where you went if you wanted to make an independent film because those guys were really about making those small movies and crapping money out of it. This movie, Copland, is no different. Oh, we're doing Copland. <laughs> uh, Copland is, I think, the back end of that era of the independent film that was honestly independent, um, like I mentioned, because at the, at the end of the 90s, it started becoming a style. But... It's really an independent flick. It was done really cheap. A lot of those actors, it has big fucking actors in it. Big stars. And a lot of them, and a lot of them took a pay cut to be in this movie, if I remember correctly. I think that's true. Because the guy was a first-time director, first-time writer, and he wanted to be like, please, help me out with this thing. Um, but uh, it, really, it really is a good movie. Look, it's a movie from the 90s, so the pacing is very slow. Uh, the storytelling is a little more complex than it probably should be for what he's trying to tell. But I think it's a, it's a very good movie. Why don't we break down what the movie's about, Maddie? All right, first, there's, there's giant stars in this movie. I'm just going to read off yeah. a couple of them. So it's got yeah. Sty Stallone. It's got yes. Harvey Cartel. Yes. Ray Liotta. 
Yes. Robert De Niro. Yes. And a bunch of other pretty good people. Like Ginny Garofalo's in. She was pretty big in the 90s. Michael Rappaport's yeah. pretty big in the 90s. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of people. All the Frank Vincent, the guy who's in all the gangster movies. Like, if you saw his yeah. face, you know exactly who he is. He's, I mean, these people were pretty big back in the 90s. Edie Falco, I think she has an Oscar. Like, these people aren't. I think so. Aren't tiny stars. Um, no. So, and he seems like nobody, I mean, uh, 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 John Spencer, you know, like, he, he just, he had so many people that not only, I mean, and I'm trying to remember 97. Uh, but they were all already big mafia guys. He had fucking Terminator 2. Terminator <laughs> 2. His, he wasn't even liquid his, yet. He was still forming that. Yeah, yeah. What's his name, Terminator 2? I don't know. You brought Something, it up. Something, um... Ah, fuck. I'm forgetting his name. <laughs> well, he was in it, and he was playing a fucking, you know... This movie... Well, what, break, let's break down the movie. The movie, it, it's, it's not a complex story um it's a western right it's a western yeah it's not a western think about it think well, about it i guess the idea of a western is the sentiment of a yeah, western. sentiment of a it's, western is is a it's a sheriff it's, in a corrupt town it's it's trying to clean up it takes place in new jersey right on the other side of the hudson of manhattan um and in manhattan it's about all these cops who are nypd and they're not doing such a good job at being police, let's, let's say. They're doing a lot of dirty things, a lot of dirty right. deals. And at this time, if a cop is out of the jurisdiction, you got to leave him alone. Like, you don't touch him. So they all moved to Jersey and built this town that is pretty much all NYPD cops. Right. Um, we find out later that it's a town built by the mafia to help fund this and the mafia and the cops are working together so they could both do their dealings. They both make money and they're both out of New York city. Um, the sheriff of this little cop town or cop land, if you will, is Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> um, right. They picked him because he always wanted to be a cop, but he's a little slow. He's got hearing problems it seems like he has a bit of an alcohol problem. So it's more of a, a figurehead. Like, he doesn't really do any police work. He's just there to keep the traffic moving, see a police report, fix an accident. You know, little stuff. You see him picking up garbage because someone's dropping garbage at someone else's house. Like, he's not he's not solving any murders. No. Uh, and I, I think that the idea would be that if you have a town full of cops... There should be nothing to worry about. Exactly. That so, would... like you're saying, I mean, speaking idealistically, you have a, a, a town full of people that uphold the law. Why would you need anybody competent to, you know, to do it within the town? Yeah, and he's not looking for it. Like, he, he turns a blind eye to anything that might be even a little shady. He doesn't want to know about it. He doesn't want to hear about it. In his mind, this is the greatest city in the world. It's the the cleanest city in the world, the most legal city in the world. He's not trying anything. If something looks off, he's looking the other way. Right. Um, and then you get into some of these characters that have a complex past, a lot of uh, windy roads, the way the characters combine with each other. Um, there's a history. 
Ray Liotta kind of is the beginning of it because his partner was killed. And he has that, like, he's, like, the first person to say, like, something ain't right here. And he right. eventually convinces Stallone. And then Internal Affairs gets involved, which is Robert De Niro. And Janine Garofalo is a cop from upstate who transfers down to Sylvester Stallone's precinct. And all these people... Probably under the same ideals that, like, there's nothing to do here, so I might as well go there and Yeah, but they easy. all kind of, like, start whispering in his ear, be like, yo, Sylvester, something's wrong here. Something ain't right here. Something ain't right here. <laughs> and after all these people start telling you something ain't right here, he starts to click for him, like, oh, shit, you're right. Something ain't right here. Right, but I think also, I think also that there's something... Well, the other part that is important here is that he always wanted to be in YPD and he couldn't because he's deaf from one ear. So there is also a a vision from him of like looking up at this gentleman where it's like, oh my goodness, like they they can never do any wrong because they're the superheroes. Like for him, he he's blinded by the light of, of who they, what they do rather than who they are. Yeah, right? they're like Marvel characters to him. Like he's their superheroes. Right. They're... Right. What he wants to be, but he could never be. Right. And so the, the the plot goes as follows, which I think I find interesting that there's this um, parallels to this movie every single time. So what happens is there is a party in the city and this kid cop that they call uh, Superman, Superboy. Superboy. Michael um, yes. is uh, driving home drunk and... This other car of uh, these Jamaican kids that are high crash into his car, but he's drunk like while he's driving home. Like, they don't cra- like it's not it's, right. They sideswipe him, right? Yeah. And so and so he's like, "Yo, what the fuck? Stop!" So he's flashing his his badge and he's like, "Fucking stop!" But these kids are high, right? And the kid on the passenger side takes out a a low jack. Yeah, like the, like the club. Like remember back in the yeah, 90s, right. so it's like the club. Right, so it's just the club. Lock your steering wheel with. Right, and he uses it like I go. He goes pow pow pow. Well, what happens is he's drunk. He thinks they're actually shooting at him while he's driving, and he has stepped over a bottle while he was leaving, and his wheel popped, and he thought they were shooting at him, so he shoots them back, and kills one of the guys the driver and then when he crashes into the car up front both of the guys in the car die and he's there he did um um meanwhile the parallel that i find very funny is that sylvester stallone is the sheriff of the town that we just described and he's also drunk and he is like dozing off because he's drunk driving the police the patrol car and he almost hits a deer and crashes into (laughs) into a tree but what happens is that the kid, the Superboy drunk, kills two innocent men because he thinks they shot at him. So all of these cops comes around, come come around, and they're like, "What the fuck happened?" And they're like, "Well, there's no gun," so they plant a gun, and they try to make it seem like you know, oh. And he's like, "No, we can't do this like this. This is fucked up." And um, because they're so corrupt, they're like, "No, no, it's good." And then Robert De Niro is his uncle. And he's like, yo, this kid just jumped from the bridge. He just killed himself. Harvey Cartel is his uncle. Uh, sorry, Harvey Cartel. Sorry. And and everybody's like, what the fuck? 
And it's very weird because you see him by the bridge and he seems like he might jump. He's, well, he seems like he's distressed. Yeah, he's, he's, and Habika he's, tell, he's panicking. Right. And Habika tells like he just jumped. And so like everybody else, this happens after they plant a machine gun. Because by, by the way, if you're going to plant a gun in, in the car, don't make it an Uzi. An Uzi is too big to be missed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was mistake number one. And like Harvey Cartel kind of comes the ringleader of everything that's wrong with not just the yeah. NYPD, but with Copland. Like he's right. the mastermind between both. He's the one dealing with the mafia. He's the one kind of corrupting young cops and yes. making them choose the wrong decisions uh, because he's been in it so long. He's got the respect. Like, you know, he's a 20 year vet. He knows what he's doing. We should listen to him. Uh, so he kind of controls right. everything. Right. And you see and when the story starts to fall apart is when he starts to lose control. Yes. Uh, and so and so De Niro, De Niro is is doing all of these things where uh, he he's uh, internal affairs. He's talking to everybody. He's calling bullshit on the whole thing. And he's like, how did this kill? Where is this kid? Like, they found a shoe and a sock in the river. And they're like, oh, that's his. And he's like, shut the fuck up. That didn't happen. And uh, obviously, uh, very early in the movie. And by the way, super spoilers. Super. Um, but this came out in 97. So fuck you. Yeah. So fuck you. So um, they find they, they, the kid is in the back of the car the whole time. You know, like he never jumped. The Nero's like, this is bullshit, this is bullshit. And the Nero knows that Harvey Keitel is dirty as fuck. He knows him from the academy. He knows that he's dirty. He knows that there's been a lot of situations where people get fucking killed or or disappear within the within the, the, the force. And you know, it's interesting because a city of shielded by blue, where everybody is blue, right? You know, like 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 everybody's a cop, a cop's wife, a cop's kid, a cop's husband. Yeah, you're, you're really fucked. Yeah, you're really fucked, man. Like you really can't can't <laughs> can't do anything with anything. Um, and uh, as as the story continues to go, everything is fucking falling by the wayside because, like you said, there's a lot of pressure from a lot of sides of being like, we gotta put an end to this. Something's got to happen. Yeah. Let's... So I think what really like broke the story open is Harvey Cartel and the other cops figure out there's no way Michael Rappaport gets out of this. Like there's too much yeah. heat. There's too much press. They have this giant funeral that was fake for him. So they decide that he needs to, he really needs to die. Um, right. Because there's no other way out of this. Uh, Rappaport figures it out that he's, they're trying to kill him. Well, his aunt tells well, him. Well, his aunt tells him, but I, we don't tell him every single detail. But he figures it no, out. No, no, but she, she left him a note saying, like, they're, they're going to fucking kill you. And he was like, oh, shit. He's like, oh, shit. So they try to kill him. He escapes. Um, he eventually goes to Stallone and be like, listen, I'm alive. You got to help me. And that's kind of the last, the last, you know, piece of the puzzle that Stallone needed to realize that all these people are dirty. That like finally like shows them like, yo, what are you doing? This is pretty clear. We have a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Rapport gets scared. He runs away. 
but this starts the ball moving um, to like the the decline of these this pre-stand. They say it's the third three eighths. Uh, so yeah, it's run by so. Cartel, Kaitel, and all the pieces start falling apart. Stallone figures more and more out. Um, Ray Liotta figures more and more out, and Le- Ray Liotta, Sylvester Stallone, kind of team up. You know, they do a back and forth. They Ray Liotta is like, yeah. "I'll help you." Then he's like, "No, I don't want to help you. I'm leaving." And he's like, "So Liotta, I think the thing with Liotta is Liotta is leaving this whole thing. He's tired of all of the yeah, he bullshit." Wants his partner got killed by the same situation and he, he was like over it. Like he couldn't really process it. So he burns his house. His girlfriend dies in the fire, by the way. And that's one of the other parallels. That's really interesting. They're having a funeral for, for Superboy, mm-hmm. which is completely fake funeral. And Ray Liotta is by the beach by himself with Silver Stallone, throwing the ashes of his girlfriend into the sea where nobody went. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a really, it's, I, I really like the parallels that yeah. they do with like who's important and what's more important. The haves and the haves not almost. Yeah, right. And and that's really interesting. Now, one of the things that I was trying to remember was NYPD in 1997 mm-hmm. and how I felt, how I felt about NYPD because in 97, I lived in the South Bronx I was not surrounded by very good a very good environment, and I saw a lot of bullshit. Uh, but 1997, nobody had a cell phone with a camera, so the shit that we're seeing now of people getting beat by the cops that shows up everywhere, that didn't exist back then because nobody had a video phone, and it wasn't a regular thing where you think about that before you think about getting out of there. You know, like now that's normalcy back then, and you know, the 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 dirty cops that existed back then really got away with a lot of shit because of that. They had the luxury of being like, look, what are you going to fucking do? I'm the police. Mm-hmm. And and this was... A, 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 this movie really, I believe, captures a feeling that a New, a New Yorkers would have about the police in general. Like, cops will fucking slap you upside the head and be like, get the fuck out of here. And like... To, they're not supposed to do that to begin with, but today they can't get away with yeah, that's it. You know the, what I mean? That's exactly, I think, what this movie ends up showing, and not intentionally, is still 20, what, four or five years later, yeah. the same shit is happening. It's just now everyone has a camera. So when this stuff right. happens, it's on tape, and people can see it. Like, this shit's been happening right. forever. Yeah, it just wasn't oh, on man. tape. Right. <laughs> no, it wasn't showing up in the news because I mean the biggest thing that had happened to this point that was caught on tape was uh, Rodney King, right? Yeah. It was the biggest thing that you were like, I can't believe this is happening. But anybody like me that lived in the South Bronx was like, oh, another one, you know? <laughs> like, like, yeah, this happens all the time. I saw a guy get shot, and not that that was cute, but the guy gets shot and he's bleeding out on the street cops show up and this is not a movie this is real life cops show up this kid is just bleeding out for 30 minutes an ambulance hasn't showed up so if you're bleeding out from the stomach for 30 minutes i don't think you have that much of a chance so the cops ultimately were like fucking put him in the back of the of the fucking cop car 
and I'll drive him to the fucking hospital. And I could hear them because it was like three in the morning. So it was like, just fucking put him in the back and we fucking take him ourselves because this ambulance is not showing up. And that is the value of life that you had for somebody back then, especially if they were black, especially if they're in the South yeah. Bronx or any, you know, or of, of, of any more, you know, like in this case where you see somebody with a Jamaican, Jamaican kids with a Jamaican flag hanging out. Like that's the kind of importance that they gave people like that. And, and this really goes to show you the level of, of, of inconsequential actions that happen when somebody is is not as important in the eyes of of the the, the haves versus the have nots, mm. right? Um, I I think that this hits on on. I mean, this is 1997, so the racial strife wasn't as strong back then. But anybody that lived in it was like, yeah, fuck this, this sucks. But from a white person showing this movie, it's more like, well, you know, it sucks. But here we're talking about the corruption. That's just what was more more important, more important than the racial undertones yeah. of it. You know, um, the 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 reason why I say this movie is a western is because it really is built like a western. Like if you change the setting and make this about like a guy that owns cattle and cattlers, and they have like a small town where they all live in because they all have money, and they own the judges, they own everything like that. This really feels like a Western. I mean, the, the shootout at the end is straight out of fucking a, 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 a Ford Western. You know yeah. what I mean? That, that um, the one part that really didn't make any sense. Like, the movie, if you suspend reality a little bit, you could be like, all right, I can kind of see something like this happening in the real world. Except mm-hmm. near the end, when... Sylvester Stallone is finally figures out, and he goes to get go to the house because they take Superboy out because Sylvester Stallone and Superboy are together, and he's gonna take them. He's gonna go take Superboy into the precinct and show him like he's still alive, all his yeah. corruption, and right. Harvey Cartel and his boys find him, and they beat up Stallone, and they take Wonder Boy away, and they drive him to Harvey's house. And then Stone's car isn't working. So he walks. Like, he walks, like, and he's hurt. So he's, like, limping and stuff. And, like, they just shot, like, a bullet next to his ear. So, like, his ear's bleeding. He can't hear anything. This house is far enough away where they had to drive. Like, you see him drive down the block and turn. So it's at least, you know, it's a couple blocks away. At the very least, probably even further. And Stallone just, like... Fuck it, I'm gonna walk. And he walks <laughs> limping, bleeding from the ear, and he gets there, and it's like they just got to the house. <laughs> like Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume what happened there. And yes, I have to like suspend. McDonald's or something on the way? <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna assume they don't live that far from let's say it's like four or five blocks, right? Which is that I'm gonna assume that Superboy wasn't willingly letting himself get taken out of the car because he knew he was going to die. You know what I mean? So I think there was more of a struggle for them to take him out, but they should have shown you something. They should have shown something. Like, like or one scene got where he's like, car, fuck you! And then walked around the block or something. Like, that was just the one scene. 
where it like really took me out of the movie. We're like, come on, he didn't walk all the way there at the same time they drove there. That doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> and even if they had struggles with getting him out the car, there's four motherfuckers there. They would have taken him out the car. You know what I mean? They're killing them. It's not like they're taking him easy. They're like, oh, don't hurt him. No, they would just no, punch right. them, drag them out. Fucking punch them, drag them out. I, I, my, my, biggest, my biggest problem with it was, and I said this the first time I saw the movie, was that kid should have been dead. Like four times. By the time, by the time Stallone got there. And I don't think it changes the story. And I think it gives Stallone more of a more of a reason why to fucking go into a shootout with these cops. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you can say, hey, bring the bring everybody in. Here's the body of this guy did not die from jumping from the bridge. Like he's been here all along. Mm-hmm. But I guess what happens I mean, and you have the wife who can who can tell it's, the I story. I think it's just a more badass scene to see Stallone right. walking up. Blood coming from his head, shotgun in his hand, like nothing's like he's almost the Terminator. Nothing's yeah, gonna yeah. stop me. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna save like like reality doesn't work there. Like it's just no. to show that Stallone's a badass. Like that's the only reason right. to have this scene in there. And, and by the way, more than a badass, because this I don't think this story is about badassery as much as I don't think underdog. so. I think that's just that one scene. He's like, yeah, he's underdog though, right? Right, yeah. right. And by the way, can I also point out? You can. Stallone, if if Stallone has done, for me, there's good acting Stallone, there's bad acting Stallone, and then there's Kaplan Stallone. That's a, that's on his own because he definitely deserved something for that. Like if Stallone should have had an Oscar nomination and win, it should have been for that movie alone. Do you, do you know what's funny? This correlates very well with our conversation a little <laughs> earlier before the show. <laughs> Mr. Toe was saying how how good Robinson Cano was and my kind of view is it that he was an average player surrounded by all-stars. Right. Now come to this. We have Stallone who's an average actor. Like he doesn't yeah. blow you away. He does the I mean, job he's well. Done, he, he's he done good jobs. He doesn't right. blow you away. Surrounded no, right, right. by all stars. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but let me say this: I think Stallone drives this movie, right? Yeah, he's the one who moves the story along. He's right, and I think that for knowing who Sylvester Stallone is, don't you think he did a great job at I not being? I think Stallone think did a great Oscar job, worthy? but I also think. He had the ability to not have to worry about carrying the movie. Right, because there's so many good actors. And look, and the truth is this movie is very small in the acting. Everybody's acting very, very small. Like, uh, except uh, Ray Liotta sometimes acts like a little, like, fucking nuts. And uh, Javi Cartel has one scene when he blows up. But everything is very small. Everything is very quiet. Everything is very intimate. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about style of acting, right? Yeah. Um, and I I just think that when you don't have to force it, it becomes more about the facial expression. There's a great scene in the funeral where Harvey Cartel's wife is fucking another cop. And the cop that she's fucking is married to the girl that caused Stallone to lose the hearing on one ear. Right. And it's all looks. 
And you can't get away with that with shitty acting. You know what I mean? Like, she looks at him. He looks at her. He looks at his wife. He looks at Harvey Cartel. Harvey Cartel looks at Stallone. Stallone looks at them. And it's all eyes. And I think that you're absolutely right that there's amazing acting surrounding him. But you can't take away that if Stallone deserved one Oscar for acting, one, uh, is this one. He know. deserved it more. Huh, huh, huh. He deserved it more than he did for Creed. Yes. Yes. And Creed was the one that he got nominated for. He was one of, this is one of his better acting performances ever. Yeah. Oscar worthy. <laughs> Don't you think he should have won something? Stretch. Um, he did a good job. He batted eight. I'm gonna see. He I, I, the, I'm gonna see. He hit the what, sack fly. He the, got the runner home. You know, he did his job. I don't know if he's. You know, he's not making the All Star team. <laughs> but I, I, I do have to agree that. Uh, I do have to agree that um, the movie helps because the movie deserves acting of that caliber. The script helps because the script lends itself to something this good. But you also have to bring your own. Now, I'm going to read you what the Academy Awards Best Actor in a Leading Role were for 1997. Oh, snap. Uh, Ray Fiennes for The English Patient. Tough to fucking beat. Yeah, I never saw The English uh, Patient. Woody Harrison for The People versus Larry Flint. Eh. Yeah. Tom Cruise for Jerry Maguire. Okay. Eh. For Best Actor, though? It's. I don't think he's Best Actor, but I can see how that movie at that time got him there. Jeffrey Rush for Shine. The, the, the piano, right? The, 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 yeah, the yeah. death piano kid or something? Yeah, yeah. And, and Billy Bob, uh, Silly Bob. Thornton for Sling Blade. Now, you're telling me that's not one of those that could have been replaced by Sylvester Stallone for Copland. Mm. No. Right off the bat, I tell you, Jerry Maguire, I mean, no, that's pretty good acting. And he's the, he's the mean, lead role in it. He carries that movie. Yeah, I guess. And I mean, that movie did, did wonders. That, that movie, I mean, people still say, show me the money today. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that was true. 25 years ago. Well, that's, that's Cuba, though. That's not that's even Cuba, him. but he... Without Tom Cruise in that movie, no one watches Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Look, fine. I think he deserved at least a Golden Globe. <laughs> he deserves to get a pat on the back. Like, where to go? Listen, I go... Where to go, Stai? We see no, you have a little more range than just being yes. a boxer. Like, listen... Golden Globe nomination. I don't think he needs to win it, but a Golden Globe nomination. Hey, reaching. <laughs> this is like saying Robinson Cano should be in the Hall of Fame. It's a reach. No, Robinson Cano is not. No, yeah, it's a fuck reach. that. Not a reach. It's a bro. reach. Let me see if he got a Golden Globe. Um. Anyways, uh, as I do this, uh, can we? Can we say same shit? Mel Gibson for Ramson got a Golden Globe nominee for Best Actor in 1990 for fucking Ransom. I don't think I ever saw Ransom. No, save yourself the problem. Don't watch it. You're telling me 
he couldn't have gotten that slot? Maybe. I don't know. I've never seen the movie. I, 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 don't, I, I can't. I can't. Don't. Like, I can't say he's better than Mel Gibson in Ransom. I've never seen I Mel can Gibson tell in you, Ransom. I can tell you right now, he's better than Mel fucking Gibson maybe, in Ransom. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but anyways, I feel like <coughs> look, that's like tit for tat. You know, like. Yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're right. It's a little bit. It's a little bit of pulling, pushing. Like, when was he Mel Gibson good in Ransom? Maybe not. Was he better than Sylvester Stallone in Copland? Probably equal. So, I think we did a pretty good job uh, talking about this movie and telling you what it's all about. Yes. Uh, okay, uh, do you do you do I um, do you do agree? I? Do you agree? Uh, the shootout in the end, by the way, very nineteen nineties. Oh yeah, extremely nineteen nineties. Uh, yeah, it's like a lot of slow motion and a lot of and uh, only the good guys bullets hit and all the bad guys bullets miss, like. No, 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 no. He got he he gets shot. He gets like a little scrape on his shoulder. <laughs> he can barely walk. He can't hear. He's walking from this big open space. They're behind cars and doors and houses. He's in this big front yard, walking up. He's got wearing his a shotgun blue... gets jammed. His yeah. shotgun gets jammed, gets and nobody kills him. <laughs> nobody kills him. Nobody kills him. He gets one little scrape on his shoulder. All five bad guys dead in one shot. All right? And that's just classic 90s filmmaking. None of the bad guys' bullets ever hit. Only the good guys. One shot. Bam. Dead. Another shot. Bam. Dead. Another shot. Bam. You're right. Dead. You're right that this guy, number one, is out of shape. Had to walk. Hasn't slept all night. That's three. That's three right there. Can't he hear. He's got a from, bullet next to his ear. Yeah, he got. He's deaf from both ears at least for the moment, because he was already deaf from one ear, and they shot the gun right next to his ear, so he's deaf from both ears at this moment, and in pain. <laughs> like he's got to be. In, he just got beat up in the parking lot. He's definitely in pain. <laughs> and, and he comes in. I mean, he, granted, he he's works, a bunch of old men. And he, but he works in Copland. Okay, well, he doesn't never work. any crime. <laughs> he so what's the work. last time he's actually shot a gun in a real situation? Probably never. Never. He's, but he's a good shot. He was a, a good, good shot, shot. But there's a difference of shooting at the rage and then shooting in a guy's front yard when five guys are shooting at you. <laughs> Against five cops who work in the city, who are dirty, who I'm sure have used their gun a lot more... <laughs> That's the best Sloan has. <laughs> oh Lord, uh, uh, I'll give you that. Uh, this 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 last thing is very nineties. But what it is, what is does really well is it cements that western feel of the movie. It yeah. really does. The shootout. You and have to have the shootout. You have to. And what it does very well is that it gives you that underdog redeeming moment right where it's like the underdog is coming in and nobody believes that he can do anything good and here he comes and he saves the day um what do you what do you uh how many toes do you think this movie deserves how many toes do i think it deserves i was going back and forth on this because one the movie is very entertaining it's a good movie it keeps you within the movie pretty much the whole way like, if you remember, this is a 1997 movie. 
and you you know things are a little different in 97 if you keep that in mind um it's a decent movie it's got a great cast um yeah. the story is not too complicated where it gets too crazy it's pretty simple besides that last scene with the shootout and everything the movie seems pretty realistic yeah um yeah. so i've been going back and forth between three and four toes i can't decide so i'm gonna split the difference and go with three and a half okay um it's an above average movie but not well above average movie no 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 it's above average look i i like the script for this movie i think it has a lot of good is well written in, in you know given where it's from and the timing um and i think the acting is incredibly good uh also for the timing the things that i have a problem with are a little bit of the pace uh, and even though the script is very good there's parts of the script that are completely unnecessary like you can you can take 30 minutes out 20 minutes maybe not 30 but 20 minutes out of this movie and you still get i think a more condensed more punchy movie that uh you know and given that it's 97 even then i had the same feeling like why is this so long like let's get to the things that matter mm -hmm. here like his romance with the girl i'm like who can who gives a fuck and you know i mean it's parts of of of, of storytelling that don't really you don't really need to tell yeah um and I think is above average. Uh, I would recommend for everybody to see this movie because it's actually good. Um, it's, a, it's a good movie. Um, you're not going to the theater. You can watch it at home. Right. Um, especially and, and, if you're born, you know, from like 1980, you know, ish or before then. And you're able to grow up in the 90s. You remember this kind of shit. Like yeah, if, you were, yeah. if you were born in 1995. This might not be the movie for you. No, it might not. But but I think I fall in uh, at uh, four stars because um, for what? It, four uh, four toes. Sorry, oh, four toes. Good, that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, don't because mess with the I, brand. Sorry, sorry. I, I I feel that I feel that um, it's lacking in timing, and is is putting too much too much sauce in a pasta. And too much sauce in pasta can ruin it. You know, I mean, the sauce might be delicious, but it's like, all right, all right, too much sauce. You're definitely not Italian. No. <laughs> I've never, never once. There's never, never too much sauce? Never once in my entire life been like, there's too much sauce here. Like, that's not <laughs> even a thought that's ever occurred to me. <laughs> or too much garlic. <laughs> Maybe too much garlic at the point. But too much sauce. Like, I can't like... I'm trying to picture what too much sauce would be. I'm like, is that like if it's flowing over the plate? Like, maybe that's too much sauce. Like, it's all what over if, the counter. Okay, I got too if, much sauce on this plate. But that's, what, that's what about if, it. What if it's in a plate that's made for soup and you have all of the plate full of sauce and you have one spoonful of pasta? Is that not too much sauce? No, there's not enough pasta. <laughs> <laughs> There's just not enough pasta. It's so not enough pasta. Or get some fucking bread, <laughs> nup the bread in there or some shit. You can do anything with sauce. You can put it on whatever. Get some old leftovers. Get, the, you know, you got some sausage or some meatballs or some steak. Whatever you got in the fridge, just throw it in the sauce. It doesn't matter. It's sauce. Anything. It goes with anything. Okay, okay. Um, uh, listen, um, 
I hope you like this this review because it's being fantastic. I give it six toes. I give this review six toes. Six toes. <laughs> I agree. Six toes. So, um, uh, we've posted about our four four four, but we're gonna say that for the whole year. Whole four year. Four four four. Four for four. Think about us as Wendy's. We're four for four. <laughs> um, what do we have for next week, Maddie? What I do you think? I don't know. Look, um, we we have we have Mortal Kombat is out right now. I saw that. Um, not for long, but it's out right now. Um, and if if we don't review Mortal Kombat, go watch it. It's for free. Or well, not right, for free, for but it doesn't need to be a match. You don't have to go to the theater to watch it. If we don't right. do it, I don't want to go too much, but just go watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you got fucking time. And if not, when you see the title of the next fucking podcast, watch the movie, then play the podcast. Watch the movie. I think we're going to do something a little newer since we went back to 97 this week. We'll probably jump mm-hmm. back into something a little more modern. I don't know if it'll be brand new, but it'll be... Something in the last five years. Yeah, something like that. Unless we want to do Freddy Got Fingered again. <laughs> I don't want to do Freddy Got Fingered ever again. That's sad. Ever. That's... I, I think just, it deserves its own show. I think that that movie deserves to be erased from, from the lexicon. Um, so, thanks for stopping by. San Diego. Uh, don't say that. I say it every time. Thank you, but stop saying it. Why? Because it's not our brand. What is our it's brand? Somebody else's, Thank you for stopping somebody by. Else's that's our brand. No one's ever said well, that before. How'd you think of that one, Nasdaq though? I'm just saying. I'm not, fine. I know I'm saying it because of the movie, but you don't have to let everybody know. <laughs> they know. <laughs> if I wouldn't say it, they would say it in their heads. They know. Thanks for coming by. How's that? Hey. <laughs> Does it have the same punch? It's like... <laughs> It's like it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's, it's, that is okay. Look, thanks for stopping by. Uh, and uh, thank beautiful you for day. giving us a listen. Neighborhood. <laughs> thanks for giving us a listen. And thank you, Matt, for not batting 400, but batting 300 so I can bat 400. You're always the best. You're the bunter. You're the guy that comes in and bunts so I can move to second. And I appreciate that very much. And then you don't have a good, you don't have a great batting record, but you you sacrifice well. Yeah, but I stay in New York and win championships, and you move to Seattle and get caught with steroids. No, I'm not. I'm not fucking Yo, Cano. Caught with steroids, son. I'm not Cano, and You're I don't Cano. use steroids. You're <laughs> Cano. Oh no, Cano. Go. I hope you like blue and orange because uh. you're fucking Robinson Cano. Whatever. Goodbye. Cue the music. I'm done. Cue the music. He's gonna help. <laughs> Two friends in a movie. 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 With Madden 16. With Sister and Matt. With Madden 16.
You are Cano. I'm not. Yo, if we were. Just because this, I'm Dominican, that's some racist shit right there. Yo, if this podcast was a baseball team and it was the 96 or whatever year Cano was on the Yankees, I'm Jeter, you're Cano. <laughs> <laughs>